Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on select Fridays in May, each film touches upon artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, kicking off with Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro on May 10th at nortonsimon.org. My earliest memories of Little Tokyo are coming to visit my great-grandmother who lived in the Little Tokyo Towers up on the 10th or 15th floor. My earliest memories are throwing slippers off of her balcony and like watching them fall. Wait, I could see like a chancla being thrown or like a, a fluffy slipper. Yeah. Chanclas? Okay, chanclas. Zori if you're Japanese. From LA Studios, this is How to LA, where every episode we explore how different Angelinos connect with this city. I'm your host, Brian De Los Santos. Today, we're hanging out in Little Tokyo, home of my favorite coffee shop, Cafe Dulce. This is our second neighborhood profile. In our very first episode, we went to West Adams, my home neighborhood. If you haven't heard that one, go check it out. After that episode, we asked you what neighborhoods we should visit next. So now, we're here meeting some of the people who make Little Tokyo the special place it is. Little Tokyo is one of the first communities here in L.A. where I felt that feeling of community advocacy everywhere that I'd stepped into. It's one of those feelings that's kind of hard to explain, but I think you'll get what I mean as we go along. So we're standing here on Iso Street and First Street in front of the Union Center for the Arts. This is Grant Suno. He's a director of community engagement at the Little Tokyo Service Center. When I think about what I love about this neighborhood, it's really the intersection of culture and arts and history the Union Center for the Arts is a really good example of that. This building has been home to a lot of different things over the years. From a church to an Asian American theater company, like a lot of buildings in Little Tokyo, it's home to a lot of history. When the Japanese Americans were interned during World War II, it became a place for them to store their belongings. And then also during World War II, this was a community center for African American folks in the community. Little Tokyo started to become known as Bronzeville because there were a lot of African American folks who were migrating to the West Coast during that era, and this was really a kind of like a jumping-off point for them and a place for them to get settled. We think about Little Tokyo as primarily now a Japanese-American neighborhood, but I think it's important that it's a lot more than that. It's a sacred place for people who are Tongva, people who are Japanese-American, people who are Latino, people who are Black. It's a place that is multi-ethnic and really kind of lifts up all of those histories and a place that shares those values. We start walking down the historic First Street Corridor, in front of each building is a plaque that tells you all the different businesses that have been there over the years. We don't get too far before Grant pulls us under an awning of one of those buildings. It's his favorite mochi shop, Fugetsu Do. It started in 1903 by my grandfather, so I'm the third generation. And next year will be 120 years. This is Brian Quito, the owner. We specialize in mochi, sweets, candies. Some of them are imported, but most of the stuff we make is here. We make ourselves. What is your favorite? My favorite is the strawberry bean paste with ganache chocolate on top. I don't know anyone that doesn't like it. I asked Brian, what are some of the changes you've seen over the years as a business owner here in Little Tokyo? The store is still the same size as it's been for the 75 years, but we pump a lot more stuff out of it. <laughs> I can remember the heydays of the 60s, my dad's era. My grandfather's era was back in the 30s, before the Depression. We have a very instinctive community that somehow is able to 
pull things together and survive. We're back on the road with a goodie bag of mochi, the strawberry bean paste with chocolate on top. It just melts in your mouth, fruity, but then that chocolate gives it a little, like, I don't know, a little oomph. Yeah. Delicious. I know all of the girlies love the Trader Joe's mochi, but you need to come down to the store and try this one. Okay, back to the story. This block has a bunch of buildings that are owned by the Little Tokyo Service Center. They bought them to keep them from being destroyed. The interesting thing about this block is there's like this mix of restaurants and confectionery stores above. This was all historically low-income housing. These were all single-room occupancy hotels, which is where Japanese-American immigrants were living when they first came. That's a legacy of affordable housing that we've been trying to protect, especially for low-income seniors. Now, these units Grant's talking about are some of the only affordable housing in the area. When I was looking for housing in LA, I wanted to live in Little Tokyo. I mean, that's where my office was going to be and everything. I just couldn't find anything affordable. That's Ryan Chu Tachikawa. He's actually the guy who pitches Little Tokyo after he heard our last neighborhood episode. He used to work with Grant, so he put us in touch. Ryan says the community in Little Tokyo helped him learn about his identity as an Asian American. A lot of folks here, their families have been here for generations. I actually grew up in Japan for part of my childhood as well, so I felt like I was Japanese and American, not Japanese American, if that makes sense. But working in Little Tokyo and spending time with its community helped them feel like that was changing. When I come to these places, it instantly kind of feels like that piece of home. I asked him what his favorite place in Little Tokyo is. My favorite place is Tanota Takoyaki. I gotta say, this is like the best takoyaki that I've had in America, maybe even in Japan too. So the cooking station looks really cool. It kind of looks like they were making waffles, but like little balls. Do you know the takoyaki? You did. That's Chef Takeo. Basically, it's like a savory food, and the main ingredient is the octopus. Oh, I love octopus. Taco means octopus. Is it spicy? A little. The chef gave the tip. You have to cut it in the middle of your chopstick and then eat it because it's so hot inside. Would you like to do that like a four by four? comes with a full flavor. Oh yeah, let's do the four flavors. Let's just try them all. They come out and they serve it in a little box. It made me feel like I was transported to another place, honestly. It was just awesome street food. All right, y'all, the tour continues. We walk down to the end of the block where there's a big courtyard for the Japanese American National Museum. The Japanese American National Museum holds actually a really dear place in my heart. This is Sharon Kamagai Kosita. She works with Grant at the Little Tokyo Service Center as a director of development. She says the museum is her favorite place here. I'm a transplant from the Bay Area. I grew up going to the San Francisco J-Town, the San Jose J-Town. So when I came down to LA, I was looking for my home. When I had my first child, I knew I needed to get involved. So I was working with the Japanese American National Museum when my children were little. Sharon's kids' names are actually inscribed in the concrete here in the courtyard. She wanted them to have a physical connection to their Japanese-American heritage. It was really important for me to have their names here on their courtyard because with the history of displacement in the Japanese-American community, I felt it was really important and significant that we have a place of permanence. Let's talk a little bit more about this theme of permanence versus displacement. Little Tokyo is a community that has seen several waves of displacement. First with Japanese Americans incarcerated during World War II, then with gentrification making much of the area unaffordable. When we talk about displacement as something that has really shaped this community, the displacement of people who are unhoused is equally important to consider. 
The mayor of Little Tokyo. The mayor of Little Tokyo. So we're walking around, and it seems like Grant recognizes every other person from a different community organization. Yeah, there's Kyle sitting here. Hey, Kyle. That's my friend Alma, who works for Sustainable Little Tokyo. No shade, but it felt staged. Like, we're walking around, he's saying hi to everyone. It's like a sitcom or something. Hi, I'm Nancy. I'm the president of the Arts District Little Tokyo Neighborhood Council. My name is Ryan. I'm the director of Terasaki Budokan, here to serve the community in Little Tokyo and downtown LA. We're just walking through that shopping area in front of Cafe Dulce, and it's like a who's who of Little Tokyo's nonprofit world. So many nonprofits located here, it's hard not to run into each other. <laughs> this little strip outside Cafe Dulce is where all of the most intense collaboration happens in Little Tokyo. You're gonna have to introduce me so I can go to the parties with you, dude. <laughs> okay, we heard from everyone else what their favorite space was, but we haven't heard from you, Grant. What is your favorite space here in Little Tokyo? My personal favorite spot is under the Home is Little Tokyo mural on the corner of Central Avenue and First Street. We are blessed to have a lot of great public art, but this one is my favorite because I think that it really embodies the community spirit of the neighborhood. A lot of the cultural activities are represented like taiko and odori, the traditional dancing, but you also have a lot of symbols and kind of representation of the struggle that this neighborhood has gone through to identify its own future and to have self-determination. I think it's just a really great embodiment of our values as a community. I really can't stress how much Little Tokyo feels like it's built and cherished by the people who work and live here. We came here today expecting just to talk to Grant, but all these co-workers of his and just people he knows from the community were so excited to say hi and chat. I love that there's art. I love that there's awesome food, of course. I love that there's history. As a non-Asian American, I felt like this space, this community is accessible to anyone. I could bring my parents here and have a good time at Far Bar. I could bring my boyfriend. I could bring my friends. It feels like sharing is part of the DNA. It's part of why they're here. And it's part of why advocacy is here. That to me shows LA. That's straight up LA. That is what we want it to be. If you want us to check out your neighborhood next, tell us what makes it special. We got a little widget on our website at elias.com slash howtoLA. Look for the button that says, tell us your story. This is How to LA from LA Studios. I'm your host, Brian De Los Santos. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Tune in tomorrow.